You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We're introducing a series today. It's going to be our September series, and we're going to be sharing for the next four weeks on this uh, book, the book of Jonah. And we're calling this series, What Now? What now? It's a question, and we're learning from the book of Jonah. There are interesting things about the book of Jonah, several interesting things about the book of Jonah. It's a short book in the Old Testament, only four chapters, so we're going to be covering a chapter a week. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about the book of Jonah is that the nation of Israel or the people of Israel, they are not mentioned or addressed in this book. It's a book that is directed at Gentiles, people that don't even fear the Lord, the God of Israel, which debunks the idea that the God of the Old Testament somehow had a favorite group of people. He didn't. The God of the Old Testament cared about every single person because he's the same God of the New Testament and forevermore. So this teaches us right from the get-go that wherever you might be here today, whether you're a God person or not a God person, a church person, whatever your background may be, whatever you're facing today, the book of Jonah stands to tell you that God is for you, that he cares about you, that he wants to see you succeed, and that he will do whatever it takes to make sure that you are in the right track, on the right track in relationship with him. It's not a tidy, straightforward story. Typically, stories have a flow, right? Things begin calm and nice and neat. Then there's a twist. Something bad happens and there's chaos. We see this in movies all the time. Then during chaos, a hero emerges and the hero stands. And then fights happen. Misunderstandings happen. Friends become enemies. And the hero saves everybody. And then toward the end, people are either making up or they're dead. Every movie, right? And then there's peace again. It's like peace, chaos, peace. This book is not your typical fictional story, which leads you to believe, you know, it really actually happened because it, there's, there's surprising twists in the plot. Surprising twists in the plot. And every development, if you and I were to be in that story, we would look at each other and go like, what now? What am I going to do now? And I wonder if you've had those moments in life, moments where you ask yourself, what now? You know, moments where you face a situation that made you look out into nothing and ask yourself, what now? What now? What is your next move going to be? I don't know if you've been there. What am I going to do now? Alini and I have had a couple moments like that. We had a big one when our daughters, uh, when Alini got pregnant and our daughters, uh, you know, we got the diagnosis that they might not survive. They were in the same amniotic sac and that was a really tough moment because when we moved to Connecticut, we had a plan. We had a projection. We had 
an idea of how our future is going to look like. And the plan went, we're going to land there. God is going to open the doors. We're going to make good connections. We're going to get jobs and we'll be well employed. Money is going to be okay. And the team is going to grow. And we're going to be in a strong position to start the church. And God is going to show up. And at that moment, when we got that report from the doctors, everything was the opposite. Our status was bleak. Let me tell you what our status was. At that, at that moment, my daughters may not survive. We had a two and a half year old, but the daughters in the womb, they may not survive. Alini, my wife, also may not survive. That was the status. Money wasn't good. It was draining more than it was coming in. We were not employed. And the church was uncertain. We did not have a big and strong team. Everything was uncertain. And it made us ask ourselves, what now? What has been your what now moment? What has caused you to pause and ask yourself, what now? What's going to happen in my life? Maybe you went into the office thinking that you were going to get a promotion. And you got laid off instead. Maybe... You know, you, you went to the doctors and instead of getting a good diagnosis, you hoped for a good diagnosis and it was a bad one. It was a bad report. Maybe a relationship that you were hoping were going to last a lifetime went south. Maybe the business reports that you got were not what you were expecting and working for. Maybe the reports showed that you did not hit your goals at all. Maybe... A certain agreement, a contract, a deal fell through. And you were counting on that. And you thought, what now? What am I going to do now? How are we supposed to respond in such moments? See, those moments are crucial moments. How we respond in those moments can determine what happens on the other side. So this book, this book starts... Like many other prophet books, there is a call. God comes in and he calls Jonah and he speaks to his prophet and gives him a directive. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But from the get-go, from this passage, I mean introductions haven't even been finished yet. It's, it's, the story is just beginning. There's already a twist. There is a, there is a turn of events here. Chap, uh, verse 3 of chapter 1. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. Just to be clear with you today, this is not how prophets of the Lord respond. This is not a typical response from a prophet of the Lord. We've had situations in the Bible where they question God or they come back to God and say, God, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't have the ability or the capacity. But there, at least there's a dialogue there. At least there's some kind of conversation and exchange. Jonah hears the word and goes like, nope, I'm going this way. No way. What happened? What caused him to react that way? Why is Jonah acting like a disgruntled employee? 
We know that he's a prophet of God because there's a passage in 2 Kings 14 where he prophesies to the people of Israel and his prophecy comes to pass. Like he's been around the block. This is not his first rodeo. You know what I'm saying? He's done this before. Why is Jonah acting this way? Why is he not only ignoring God's directive, he is completely disobeying it and going the other way. Why is he doing that? Maybe it's because of this. Nineveh was a big, big city. It was a powerful city, and it was part of the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrian Empire, they were ruthless in war. And for the 9th century BC, they had been conquering territory. A lot of territory they conquered. And some of that territory belonged to Israel. Some of the territory was territory that years ago... David conquered, Solomon conquered some of that territory. And now part of the state of Israel, part of the status of Israel is reduced, is diminished because of the Assyrian Empire. And God is calling Jonah, an Israelite, a prophet from the Lord, to go into the Assyrian kingdom and ask them or, or warn them of impending judgment. I don't think there's any prophet that would take that deal. Because in the beginning of the, of the 8th century, if you, if you remember uh, B.C., the number decreases. So 9th century, they, they were powerfully, uh, powerful and strong. In the beginning of the 8th century, the Assyrians began to suffer decline in their power and their influence. So Jonah could see, and perhaps... The reason why he went the other way is because he actually wanted to see judgment on them. When he heard God say, I'm going to take them because their evil has come before me. So you got to go and warn them about it. And he was like, no, that's good news to me. I'm going to go the other way. So he got on that boat. And I can imagine even Jonah getting on the boat a little happy. A little satisfied, standing on the boat and singing to the Lord. I will do anything for love. I will do anything for love. I will do anything for love, God. But I won't do that. The Psalms of Meatloaf. He said, no way, no how. He decided to let them perish. Jonah goes into the boat, and Scripture says that he goes to the deepest parts of the boat to sleep. He counts himself out. God, you called me, but I can't do this one. I'm going to sit this one out, coach. Can't do it. You know, God, send somebody else. This is not a good one for me. I'm going I'm to sit this one out. Have you ever called to do something that confronted your fears? Something that confronted your fears. It's almost like God asked you to do that very thing, that one thing that you didn't want to do. That thing that made you want to go in the opposite direction. You know, I want you to go talk to that person that mistreated you, to the people that mistreated you, and I, wanted to t I want you to tell them that I love them. Uh, 
Send someone else, God. You could send somebody who doesn't have our history. You know. I want you to go back to that, to that place that caused you pain. And I want you to shine my light there. Ah, I don't know, God. I want you to tell your grandfather, I forgive you. I want you to tell your dad, I love you. I want you to tell your mom, you know what? You owe me nothing. I forgive you. I want you to go back to the people that have known you for years. They knew you a certain way. And I want you to tell them why you're different now. Why you've changed. What is this new life that you're living? I want you to help people get out of a bad situation. I want you to go into their situation and get them out. A situation that they put themselves into and you told them not to. Go there. I want you to go and help them. I don't know, God. Can't do that. It's too much. So that's where Jonah was. And that's where we find ourselves many times. The text continues, Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. The mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had go down into the inner part of the ship, the ship and had, lay down, and, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Here's the first lesson from this first chapter. When, stork, when storms come, we all resort to our gods. When a storm comes into your life, we will resort to our gods. You will resort to your God. When things get difficult, when a tempest moves in, when worry comes, when trouble comes, when the dark clouds surround you, you will resort to your God. And what will it be? What will it be? See, in this country, we have first responders. People you can call in case of emergency. Whether the emergency is medical whether it's a crime or a violent situation that you're facing, whether it's a natural disaster like a, a, a flood or, or a fire, there's, a, there's someone you can call. And we educate our kids in it. We tell our kids, in case of emergency, dial 911. Half of you knew that. So I'm glad you came today. There is this service. And in the state of Connecticut, you can also text 911 now. In case you can't uh, speak and you're in a situation where you can't use your voice or for people who have disabilities and they are either mute or deaf, you can text 911 as well. We know we can count on them. We know we can count on them when we text 911 or we call. And how do we know that? Why do we know that we can count on them? Because we have seen them in action. Every single one of us. We have witnessed their work. We know that there's credibility. We know that, that they, they will show up. We've heard stories. We've seen the trucks and the people. And we've heard the sirens. We know that they are there to help. Now, what's your first response when sorrow and trials and difficulty arises in your life? Who do you go to? I'm here to remind you today that there's a God 
that responds. There's a God who answers. There's a God who's for you, and he wants to see you better. He wants to rescue you. There's a God who can walk into your life and can walk into your situation and change it around. He can turn your situation around when you call upon him. I know he has showed up in my life. He answered my call. When I didn't know that my daughters were going to survive, I went to him and he showed up. When I didn't know whether we're going to make it, money was tight, he showed up. He answered my call when my wife was doing that pregnancy. Her, her liver was beginning to fail and, and her systems were just beginning to, it was, it was too much for her. And she went through that, not only once, but twice later. She had a bilateral, bilateral kidney infection that was threatening to go to her blood and take her life. He was, she was laying down at Norwalk Hospital. And God heard our call when we called. He heard our call. See, he's not my last resort. He's my first response. I call on him. When I'm troubled, I go to him. When I'm worried, I go to him. When I'm tired, I go to him. When I'm uh, feeling down, I go to him. I go to him in my car. I go to him at the house, in the office. I go to him at the coffee shop. I go to him at the gym, the sauna. I go to him because he asked me to go to him. He said, come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He calls you to come to him. He called me. He said, call me, and I will answer. And I will show you things that you know not. Jeremiah 33, 3. He says, 2 Peter 2, 9 says, The Lord knows how to rescue the righteous from trials. He knows how to answer your call. He knows how to answer your call. He's my ever-present help, the psalmist said. He's my ever-present help in time of need. Who do you go to? Who do you go to? You know, maybe you're here and you're really a church person and you're thinking, well, J.D., I find it difficult to believe in something beyond what the cosmos. There are so many questions and things and find it difficult to believe in a divine being. That You know what? I, I understand doubt. I understand that. I understand that sometimes it's difficult to believe when there's so much evil in the world. I understand that. But I also understand this, that it doesn't take much to doubt. You can tell me a story right now, and I can find a reason to doubt it. You can tell me a story that might be true, and I can find a reason to doubt it. And what we find today is that a lot of people... Respect doubt to such a level that it's almost intellectual. And I don't, I don't mean disrespect here today. I don't mean disrespect. But it doesn't take a lot of intellect or smarts to doubt something. You know, and when somebody is telling you that they have been changed, that they have been transformed, and you go like, well, I don't know about that. People around you might go, ooh, maybe he knows something. You know, all I know is this. When evil tried to knock on my door, when things looked bleak, when storms hit my boat, God was my first response, and he showed up. Amen. And I want to invite you today to when storms hit your life, that's the first lesson, go to God. Yes. 
go to God because he will show up in your life. Lesson two that we learn in this passage is this. Some storms come to save you. Not every storm comes to destroy you. See, it might not happen the way you thought it was going to happen. It might not go about the way you thought it was going to about. But some storms come into your life not to destroy you, but to rescue you. See, God was unwilling to let Jonah go down the wrong path. God was unwilling to let Jonah sink to the bottom of that boat and bury his calling and bury his gifting. He was unwilling to let Jonah stay at the bottom of that boat. It was going in the wrong direction. Not every storm comes to destroy you. Some storms come to save you. And you got to be sure of this today. God cares too much about you. God cares too much about you to let you miss out on your destiny. And he will do whatever he can to rescue you and to get you back on track. He will do whatever he can do to wake you up. And some of you, you've experienced this. You have gone to the bottom of your boat to sleep. And you've been asleep. And now maybe you're getting woken up to the sound of waves and thunder. Maybe you got woken up by the sounds of lightning and, and the waves hitting your boat. And maybe you thought, or you might be thinking even right now, I am where I am because God has forgotten about me. I am where I am because God is punishing me for what I did. He's punishing me for going in the wrong direction. He's punishing me for being at the bottom of that boat. That's why I'm here. Let me remind you, God's not punishing you. He's not against you. He's not punishing you. He has not forgotten about you. On the contrary, God is so mindful of you. He's so mindful of you that he's unwilling to let you live your life at the bottom of that boat. He's unwilling to let you bury your gift at the bottom of that boat. And he will do whatever it takes. Even if it takes a storm, he will wake you up and cause you to rise from your position in your situation. Some storms come to save you. Some storms come to save you. He sent the storm not to destroy you. He sent the storm to rescue you. To get you out from inertia. To get you out from that situation. And some of you, you've been asleep too long. Let me be that man that's tapping on your shoulder and saying, wake up. It's time to rise. The text continues. Verses 8 through 10. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? And where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who has made the sea and dry land. Then the, mid, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the, the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Lesson three from this passage. You can't fulfill your mission before you deal with your issues. You really can't. You cannot fulfill your mission before you deal with your issues. And often God will lead you to situations where you can face your issues. When you can see yourself in the mirror. Where you can face situations, things that you, you prefer to keep hidden. Maybe it was your choice to try to hide it, to bury it. Not want to talk about it. 
I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to live as long as I can without having to mess with that. And God will put you in a situation that will cause you to think even that all hell is breaking loose. In a situation that might seem very much like a storm where you think, my gosh, why am I here? Why is this happening to me right now? See, this, is a supposed to be, this was supposed to be a story about Nineveh. This was supposed to be a story about a prophet of God going to Nineveh and warning them. But thus far, Nineveh was mentioned once. It's become all about Jonah. And Jonah has realized this, that he cannot move forward unless he comes face to face with his issues. See, this wasn't about the boat. This wasn't about Tarshish. This wasn't about vengeance. This wasn't about God paying him back. This was about Jonah having to face, having to face his shortcomings, having to face his situation, his issues. And in the middle of the storm, God put people around him. Now, this is what I find interesting. This is what I, and this is why we believe in connect groups so, so, so much. It took a group of people to help Jonah face the facts. Actually, I think that if Jonah came to connect community, if he was part of this church and he was part of a connect group, he wouldn't have gotten on that boat in the first place. He wouldn't. You know why? Because you great people would have told him, you're trying to do what? What? What are you trying? You trying to get on a boat and flee from God? No way, Jose. Not going to do it, Jonah. Nope. We're not going to let you do that, man. That's a bad, bad choice. See, God put people around Jonah that asked him the tough questions. They caused him to confront what he was going through. And that's why we want to encourage you to get into a connect group. You got to get on with it. You got to be connected to other people. You can't spend your life at the bottom of the boat and you can't face your issues at the bottom of the boat either. Some of you are thinking, oh my God, God wants me to face my issues. Yet he wants you to face your issues. He doesn't want you to face your, face your issues at the bottom of the boat. He wants you to arise, come up, connect to people, people that can help you, people that can come around you, people that will call you out not for your, for your demise, for your good. People that will believe in you. And they will say, you know what? There's got to be a way for us to do this together. We, we're going to get rid of our stuff. We, we're going to throw all of our stuff in the sea so, so, so that we can help you. We're going to get through this together. They ask him tough questions. See, and you, you need that too. You need people around you that will do that. That will come to you and say, what have you done? What, what were you thinking? What was in your mind? Sometimes we need that so that we can adjust our thinking. See, connect groups are not a church program. Connect groups are not a church meeting. They're not a church service. Connect groups are connected people who get together with each other to help each other, to encourage each other, to pray with each other, to speak faith into each other, to say, oh, you're going through that? You're not going to go through that alone. I am for you. I bless you. I pray for you. I'm walking alongside you. Just know this. You're not alone. We're going to go through this together. And you're going to come better on the other side. You're going to come out of this. That's what happened to Jonah. You know, he had people around him that called him out. You can't deal with your issues by yourself. And that's why we 
love, love, love connect groups. So what's your first response? Who do you go to when you're facing storms? No, Jonah's first response was a ticket to Tarshish. His first response was, God, I can't do that. I'm going to go the other way. What is your response when God calls? Do you flee or do you follow? What do you do? Remember this. Some storms come to save you. Could it be that God allowed that circumstance in your, in your life? Not that, so that you could perish, but so that he could rescue you from the bottom of that boat. Could it be that God allowed that storm in your life so that he could reconnect you to your calling? Because he was so mindful of you, he was unwilling to let you bury your calling and live alone. Could it be that God allowed that storm in your life so that you could be woken up? And whatever it is, God's desire is not to shame you or to expose you. Whatever it is, he wants you to be connected to good people that will lift you up and help you face your issues so that you can move forward in life, not alone, but with somebody by your side so you can fulfill your mission because you have a mission to fulfill. And this is my call today. You may decide not to live another day at the bottom of that boat. Not to live another day burying your talent, burying your gift, burying your calling. Not to live another day heading in the wrong direction. You may be asking yourself, what now? What now? Here's the answer. Wake up. Rise. Face the storm. And call upon the Lord because he will answer you. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Awesome.